FBI asset James Baker has been exposed in the Twitter files fallout. You've been scrubbing away, Jimmy. You've been scrubbing away. We should call him Scrubbing Jimmy. Joining me as today's special guest co-host, it is none other than the ALX himself. So ladies and gentlemen, this show is absolutely dynamite. But before we get into that, if you want to meet myself, ALX, so many of our co-hosts, so many of the people in this movement, then join us along with Steve Bannon in the war room, Charlie Kirk in his show, Tucker Carlson, and Tim Pool and Timcast IRL, because we are going to be doing all of our shows live in person this December 17th to the 20th at America Fest. It's amfest.com. Use promo code POSO. You will get the best tickets. They're flying out fast, so don't come to me when it's sold out. Amfest.com, promo code POSO. Let's get into it. We were looking at what Russia was up to generally and the threat that they pose. We were looking at what they were trying to do with our election. And then we were looking at the events, you know, the, all the interactions that Director Comey had with the president uh, leading up to the firing and then the firing. And I felt confident at that point in time that our investigative activities were lawful and appropriate. The so-called Steele dossier, when this came into the FBI, did you know it had been gathered um, uh, as part of essentially an opposition research request, first by a Republican donor and then eventually by the Clinton campaign. Yeah, my recollection is that it came in with that information. You did know that going in. I believe that's correct, yeah. At some point, did you think, what What have we... It, it, that was alarming to me to read that, that an FBI informant was still sort of actively helping your investigation, but also pretending to be a Trump ally. It, 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 do you see why... Under that circumstance, perhaps why the president is so paranoid. I understand why people are concerned about the power of the FBI and some of the investigative techniques that we use, again, without confirming or denying the, spe the specifics of what you're saying here. And th the point is, what were we trying to do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is December 7th, 2022, Anno Domine, a day which shall live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Remember Pearl Harbor. That was today. 81 years. But we have to talk about James Baker. So James Baker, you just heard there. This is a guy who resigned from the FBI during the Trump administration because of his role in the dirty steel dossier. Well, as we talked about before, there's a revolving door between the deep state and big tech. And one of the biggest names of all of this was James Baker. Because James Baker found his golden parachute, his happy landing, was at Twitter as their general counsel. However, Elon Musk, just last night, confirmed that James Baker was summarily fired, exited in, in Elon's word. But what's interesting is what he was fired for. Matt Taibbi comes out and says that Baker intercepted the Twitter files that came out on Friday night, got a copy of them before they were sent to Matt Taibbi or to Barry Weiss, who's also doing a write-up of them. This is a problem. This is a big, big problem. And apparently, that was not supposed to happen. Twitter's new management was not supposed to know about it. And then it also perhaps answers a question for us. 
because we were asking, where's all the evidence of the FBI, the references to the FBI warnings? We know that Yoel Roth was in there talking about the FBI. He filed the declaration with the FEC that said the FBI warned us about Hunter Biden. They said, if you see anything about Hunter Biden, you have to delete it. It's a hack and leak operation. You have to take it down. And yet suddenly all of those references are gone from the Twitter files. How could that be? Why could that be? Was James Baker perhaps involved in scrubbing the Twitter files? Well, guess what? Elon Musk just came out and confirmed that data was deleted from the Twitter file. So to break this down and go through all of it, we have an incredible digital strategist on here. Good friend of mine. Uh, you know him. We all love him. Former Twitter POW, by the way, and Turning Point USA ambassador, the ALX. What's going on, man? What's up? How are you? So, so what's, what is your take? And, and, and let me see if, if you agree with my, my thesis or not. Poke holes in it if you can. To me, it looks like James Baker went in and scrubbed references to the FBI in these Twitter files. It just really looks like that because that was the dog that wasn't uh, barking when we had the Twitter files that came out on Friday night. Now we hear that Baker was involved. What's your take on it? Do you think that's or something along those lines um, is what's going on? Plus, by the way, folks don't know, ALX is very plugged in when it comes to Twitter. So let us know what you're hearing. Hmm. Yeah, so I think that's fairly accurate. Uh, if you notice the day that it was supposed to be released, it was supposed to be released at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and then uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time came around, no release. Elon followed up 40 minutes later saying, yeah, there's some legal stuff. So clearly, um, I'm not sure who exactly sent it to uh, Jim Baker because it appears Elon wasn't aware himself that uh, it, it was in his hands and how he intercepted it. Um, and that it was just a man named Jim reviewing this. And he didn't know that it was Jim Baker. Um, and, and today you just see... Um, that he replied that there was actual deletions happening. And I'm actually wondering if there's some sort of backup. I wonder if they're trying to recover any of the evidence that they can. Um, but yes, it does It does seem like he was deleting and trying to cover up things, which, you know, that's not too much of a um, stretch of your imagination. If you're familiar with his background with, you know, everything that he's been doing at the FBI and that's got to make you wonder as well as how was he not purged in the initial purge with all of these activists with Fahaya Gad, uh, with Prague Ergowal and like everyone else in the initial purge? How, how was he not purged with all of them? Because it was very well known that this is his character and that he would take any opportunity to cover up for his friends, for himself. Yeah, and. and and, and Elon had even replied company. to a tweet from Cernovich back in April before mm -hmm. he bought the yep. he bought Twitter in the first place talking about James Baker. So I, I'm actually going I'm not going to go full 40 chess on this and say, oh, it was a setup, et cetera, et cetera. But clearly this is a guy who was on Elon's radar and mm -hmm. he was kept on for a little while and then eventually let go. And if you notice, that's the same thing that happened with Yoel, that Yoel was kept around for a little bit and then he was fired as well. Uh, and it looks like for cause. So I guess, you know, and, and, and you know, I'll be fair. There are people saying, well, maybe it's just a, a basic legal review. He's making sure there's no, you know, phone numbers and bank records and, and things like that, which which, by the way, was something that was a huge issue in the Hunter Biden laptop because there there is financial information in there. Uh, personal banking info, cell phones, text messages, um, you know, cell phone numbers for the president. So that is stuff you have to look at. But at the same time, and I want to hold you 
after the break, ALX is going to be my co-host for the show today because there's a lot more going on. And I think, I think the old little Jimmy Baker was a naughty, naughty boy. Well, folks, a report recently came out that American household debt income dropped by over $6 trillion just in the second quarter of this year. That's the most on record. We already know that the administration is doing everything in their power to keep you in the dark until after this year, which begs the question, what's going to happen when there's no incentive to hold back? That's why so many of you have taken my advice and protected your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely straight to your front door. Now, producer Angelo was checking, and Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwithposo.com and get their best offer yet up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them that Poso sent you, or you can give them a call. Look, we can't control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. Protectwithposo.com. That's protectwithposo.com. We're going to put it in the link of the description. You talk a lot about prioritization. You know, when you're the CEO of two companies, you really have to focus in on what matters most. Um, what would you say is your number one priority at Twitter right now? It sounds like this is one issue you're thinking about, but, but what would you say is top of the list? Conversational health um, and incentivizing more healthy contribution to the public conversation. Um, we've, we've seen uh, abuse, we've seen harassment, we've seen people leave our platform because of it. We've seen voices being silenced uh, because of what's happening on the service. And, um, that is that is number one. Like we can't build a, a platform of speech, a platform of conversation, uh, and a service um, that will remain relevant to people if people don't feel safe to speak up in the first place. So for all those who believe in free expression and all those who believe in free speech, um, it's critical that uh, we're not utilizing technologies like Twitter to shut down voices and to, uh, and to silence others. So he's saying we don't want to shut down voices, but he's also talking about harassment and abuse, which leads to moderation. And then he says healthy conversations, but healthy conversations means someone has to decide what's not a healthy conversation. And I'm going to tell you right now, I hate that phrase, healthy conversations. Um, I remember the Haya using it. I remember seeing it in some of the Twitter documents. And let me throw this to you, ALX. When, when it comes to Elon versus Jack Dorsey, what do you view as the the differences in their guiding philosophy when it comes to running Twitter? Yeah, so I see in Jack Dorsey, um, you almost see like him almost contradict himself there is that he doesn't want voices shut down, but he also says, oh, we need healthy conversations. So it seems like they're trying to be this, you know, babysitter online where you just want everyone to behave all the time and they're the ones defining the rules. Whereas like if they actually encourage people to use the tools that they have, say the block button or the mute button, they could actually, you know, control for harassment themselves users could whereas you know elon musk says that he'd like free speech and that's that's what's ideal on the platform and he's already brought back a bunch of users he wants to unsuspend uh, a lot of people that were you know not banned for illegal content and that's what they're working on right now 
Whereas Dorsey, it seemed like he said publicly that he was pro free speech, but then uh, the enforcement actions where he uh, himself wasn't responsible, he says, but people like Bahia Gad or Del Harvey or other people who he tasked with the censorship um, would take control of that and censor people uh, at their own whim. So I think the guiding philosophies are one of censorship and healthy conversations as Twitter defines it from Jack Dorsey versus free speech for Elon. One of the one of the interesting uh, debates that's come up through this is Jordan Peterson. And I've been very publicly uh, saying that I disagree with Peterson on this because he is say, stating that he talks about YouTube and he talks about Twitter and all social media. He says you should not be allowed to be anonymous on social media. And I I couldn't disagree more. Right. You know, and it's it, I don't know if this is like an American versus Canadian kind of thing. But uh, I'm if you take away the freedom of anonymity online then you are actually committing extreme censorship because in a time such as we live in really any time, when you think about it, there are always certain things that you're always going to certain taboos that you're always going to get in trouble for discussing. And so the cloak of anonymity is necessary to be able to have those discussions. Uh, certainly if you, you know, if you, if you have a, you have a normie job, you know, if you've got a family, different things. It's only if you want to be a face, if you want to be out there and and showing your face, by the way, like like Jordan Peterson and myself. Right. That's when you're out there as a career and deciding to take your, you know, take your career into your own hands by doing that. So the issue is, you know, and, and you've seen this before throughout history, people using anonymous writings, uh, even to the United States, silence, do good, the Federalist Papers, et cetera. It's always been used. And for me, I'm just going to say it. If there is hope for the Republic, it lies with the Anons. Alex, what's your take? And you have, but you, you're, yeah. you've always been kind of like a quasi-Anon yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so for Jordan Peterson, it comes from a place of privilege. He's a blue check mark and multi-millions of followers. So number one, he can filter notifications. Number two, whatever he says online is his public statements where he's putting his face and his name because he wants to be a public figure because he's trying to build an online profile. That's not true for most Twitter accounts, which, number one, aren't even on Twitter for politics. They are just on for consumers um, to, to read news, to you know interact with their friends. So anonymity actually gives them more power to be themselves online um, without risking losing their job or having consequences. So like you said, I kind of started my career as an anon account because... At the time, I was a college student. And as we all know, on college campuses, it's not very popular to be right wing. So I also had another job at the time. So while I am in politics now, that's not how it's always been for me. Um, so especially younger students or you know young people in general, we've grown up in a era of cancel culture, where if we say the wrong thing online, we could get kicked out of school, lose scholarships, or, you know, lose our jobs at a young age and it could ruin our careers. So I think well, anonymity well, is, yeah. It, not even that, but if, if you said something in the past 
which was fine mm-hmm. at the time that you said it, but then later turned out to be, you know, publicly incorrect or anti-woke or anti-whatever, then people will go and dig that up and say, oh, look what this person said five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. Oh, look, he posted an edgy meme about Hillary Clinton, you know, yeah, in, exactly. in 2016. And, and now we have to cancel somebody for the rest of their life because they made a joke on Twitter. No, I, I just, I don't yeah. buy it. I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. And that's why anonymity is, you know, important, especially for younger people. Um, and yeah, growing up in cancel culture, we've almost had to self-censor in a way when we're putting our public face out there because we're afraid it's going to be, you know, used against us in the public eye. Yeah, I, I ran an anonymous account. So I, as a former Anon uh, myself, I ran an anonymous account when I was in the military um, and it was it was all about Game of Thrones and it was this yeah. parody thing and it was funny. But I never showed my real face. I never uh, used my own picture. I think I eventually did, um, you know, towards the end of it um, when I kind of, you know, quote unquote, came out and then eventually changed the account <laughs> to my, my current account, which is just my real name um, <laughs> was. But but the idea that you should have to you, you, know, you wouldn't be able to use that, wouldn't be able to use anonymity. It strikes me as as insane. It strikes me as completely <laughs> crazy. And that in and of itself is a form of censorship. And mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can say that all of the institutions have become communist and all everyone's cracking down on you. We live in an age of cancel culture, but also you should have to, you know, put your name up to it. Look, like you said, you know, there's 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 block buttons, there's mute buttons, there's filters. There's so many things you can do to curate your online existence. Just use the tools that are there. It'll be fine. Take a deep breath, Jordan. Everything will be OK. Go make your bed. <laughs> I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie yeah. because it wouldn't work. We were told girls and boys can both identify with a male lead, but yeah. boys cannot identify with a female lead. Oh, absolutely. And it just makes me so happy every single time I see a movie come out that just blows through every single one of those beliefs and proves that it is just a lie to keep certain people out of the movies, to keep certain people in the same positions that they've always been in. And it's just amazing to watch it happen and watch you at the helm. You guys may not know this, but Jennifer Lawrence was actually the first ever female actress in history. There's never been a movie that starred a woman before Jennifer Lawrence ever. Hey, Alex, I don't know if you, did you know that, that she's actually the first ever female actress? This is the, like a really annoying trend among actresses and, you know, people in Hollywood is that they always have to be the first mover at everything. Right. No matter what, like which role they're playing, it's like, okay, I'm the first this, the first that, I'm the trendsetter. It's like I'm not even a movie buff and it's like I've, I've seen Alien with Sigourney Weaver or like Kill Bill with Uma Thurman. Like there, there's just like a, a oh. whole list of examples oh. like oh, oh don't worry because our our crack production team here at human events daily has done us a favor and put together just such a list let's go sigourney weaver aliens uma thurman kill bill linda carter wonder woman linda hamilton terminator laura croft charlie's angels both one and two Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, fight me on that. Demi Moore, G.I. Jane, Bridget Fonda, Point of No Return, Elizabeth Shue. Yo, Adventures in Babysitting, Natalie Portman, The Professional, and V for Vendetta, The Sound of Music, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis and Thelma and Louise, Carrie Ann Moss, remember Trinity and The Matrix, and folks, folks, please, Gone with the Wind. 
Don't even try and tell me that Gone with the Wind was not an action movie. And look, here's what's, here's what's really going on, all right? Here's what's really going on, is that this isn't about women in movies. This is actually about Jennifer Lawrence because, and I'll tell you why, Harvey Weinstein goes behind bars, and guess what? Uncle Harv isn't around, and suddenly nobody's picking up the phone when old J-Law comes calling and says, please, please cast me in your movie. Suddenly, everyone's saying they they don't want her. Nobody wants her in, you know. And they might get they might get some pity parts here, some pity casting here and there. But at the end of the day, turns out turns out that people don't look at her as a serious actress, and that's sad. That really is sad. And I'll even I'll even say it. I'll, I admit, Silver Linings Playbook I thought was great. I actually thought that was a great movie. I don't know if it was uh, Oscar worthy, but I thought it was a pretty good movie. They actually filmed it pretty close to my hometown. Um, I thought she was great in that. But here's the deal. She, her career tanked when Harvey Weinstein tanked. And it's actually a story that's more about Hollywood than it is about J-Law. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, notice like she's trying to reclaim her career after, you know, Harvey Weinstein is no longer in power in, in Hollywood. Um, I wonder how many other actresses um, are in the same position, but yeah, she's trying to restart her career and reclaim her fame and saying, okay, I'm the first mover in this and trying to kind of uh, orchestrate this own legacy that she never had um, to make up for lost time, I guess, because I, I honestly don't know what the last thing she was in was. Um, so I, yeah, I feel like she's trying to fill a void that like has been missing for a couple of years because of that. Yeah, because at the same time, you know, you go and look at like the the Me Too movement and Rose McGowan, who was just a massive champion for that. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, if she may have put out a statement here and there, you know, she's denied having sex with Harvey Weinstein a couple of times that when that was, you know, bubbled up to the surface. But she was not front and center as part of this movement whatsoever when it came to, you know, this this reckoning, as as you might want to call it. And. I remember Gwyneth Paltrow was out there and we just had what Gavin Newsom's wife, right? Gavin Newsom's wife gave this chilling testimony, though at the same time, Harvey Weinstein responded and he said, no, no, no. Not only was it consensual, Harvey Weinstein called it transactional. Harvey Weinstein called it transactional. And so when you look at the Hollywood system in general, I think that one of the things that we're pulling apart here is the fact that they've gotten so completely lost from just making good pictures and making good content and that things like the casting couch took over all right and we should have discussions about that and that's fine but at the same time you're not actually providing anything of value to anyone at that point and it seems like everything that you get these days is just cookie cutter garbage and then just another CGI, you know, cape fest of people punching each other, regardless if it's Marvel or DC or whatever. By the way, that one of the ones that 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 made me, me laugh about that was the um, you were just saying about all the firsts. Right. Do you remember when that when a bunch of people caught themselves because they were trying to say that Black Panther was the first Marvel movie that starred a black actor? And then a oh, bunch yeah. of us online were like. <laughs> There was an entire Blade trilogy. <laughs> start, you know, yeah. Like, and they all they always try and do that, no matter no matter what it's it is. Constant. Entertainment. Yeah, it was. It, um, it's just Blade, so the first annoying. Blade was what nineteen ninety eight, right? Exactly. It, it had yeah. to been nine. Uh, yeah, it was the nineties. And then, and I'm I'm actually somebody I, I liked all three of them. I like Blade, and guess what? Like they were just good movies, and nobody cared what 
what race he was. They cared mm-hmm. that he was the daywalker and that he could fight, <laughs> that he could fight vampires during the day. Right. That's all anybody. And that's cared just about. the point. People. Yeah. People back then looked at the movie for what it was. Now it's just a competition of, you know, who's first. This is this race. This is this sex. And like back then, people just watched the movie for, you know, what it was and enjoyed it for what it was at the time. Right. And, and it, the, the issue, the larger issue for all of us, and you see this in companies and, you know, tie it back to Elon, it's there's two competing systems now. Um, and you can say there's there's the MAGA system and the the, you know, the alphabet system and the alphabet system. That's wokeness. <laughs> the MAGA system is greatness. Right. We want greatness. We don't care what the quotient of the demographics of the people that launched the, uh, the, the space shuttle or put a man on the moon, right? We care that the American flag is on the moon. That's greatness. That's what that's about. The fact that we've accomplished that as a country that no other advanced nation has ever been able to replicate. None. No one. And we did that with like 1960s pre-calculator technology. <laughs> so to you, you have two competing and and contesting, and I'll, I'll give you the final word on this, ideologies. One is wokeness and the other is greatness. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that tie, tie into Elon was is nice because I, I think free speech is going to show that on Twitter. It's like it's no wokeness anymore and it's going to be a marketplace of ideas and the best ideas are going to win regardless of race or ideology. Where can people follow you? What are your coordinates? Um, at ALX on Twitter. That's my yeah. main one right now. <laughs> at ALX, it feels look. It, it feel, feels nice to be able to say that after a couple of years off. Feels nice. Oh yeah, I got. Yes. Sure. It's nice to have you back, man. Put it that way. It's nice to have you back. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission. Lay ashore.